Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is the Slow Poisoner. I come to you from the future with these words of warning. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 105. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. Hi, I'm George Takei. You know me as Helmsman Sulu on Star Trek. When I'm not busy going Warp Factor 8, I like to beam down to Lee's Comics and spend a lazy afternoon reading comics classics from Marvel to DC, from Dark Horse to Fantagraphics, and everything in between. So please, spend some time here at Lee's Comics and spend your hard-earned cash. <laughs> Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale. For half off, choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze, and modern age comics, and specializing in Silver Age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading, and quick, secure shipping backed by a money-back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay. Click Advanced Search to the left of the search bar, scroll down to Sellers, and enter Lee's Comics Inc., period. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. Long title, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Song One by One by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Hey, Michael, it says here we've written another book about the monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough? Not at all, Mark. Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Songs One by One, was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, a timeline of the monkey's solo years, covers the solo half. Who knew the monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and jail. Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You've sold me. Have you sold them? Who, who, who's them? Those people out there listening to this. Well, listen to this! This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the prefab for Mickey, Davey, Peter, and Mike, the Solo Monkeys, plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover. 
and this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. <clears throat> get Headquartered, a timeline of the Monkey Solo Years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearManorMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today. Cool. I'm going to get one today. My Warren Kremer book is finally being laid out, and it is looking really good. I'm also still working on my Mad and Disney books and my Popeye article. We'll discuss other new projects throughout the year. Today's guest is an actor, DJ, and book author. His books include single-season sitcoms, The Odd Couple on Stage and Screen, and his latest book covering the long-running sitcom Wings. Here he is, Bob Leshak also known as Bob O'Brien. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to another episode of Fun Ideas Podcast. And today we have author Bob Leshak. How are you, sir? I'm well. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yay. And I think I first encountered you, um, and I'll show it now, that what happened is I was working on a DePatty Freeling book, and you were working on an Odd Couple book. And yes. We, you knew DePatty Freeling did the Odd Couple oddball couple as did i and at the time you're there's like nothing on dvd nothing on in syndication anymore and blah 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 and i think we exchanged what i had you know of course, right. since then which i'll show it now they have put it out on dvd so i, don't know I do it. have that a little too late yeah <laughs> well you have that in your book but um, uh, it is so. mentioned in the book and i had half the episodes i didn't have the complete list of the episodes but uh if i do another volume of it i can always correct that Yes, so now you have that, but I mean, yeah, yes. it's too late. It, was, I, it, it happens to me too. It's like, well, I, you know, I'll, I'll say this before I get into, um, you know, I have a total television book about underdog, and there's this one person that I mentioned in the book that uh, I mentioned he was dead. Well, he wasn't. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so I interviewed him. He will be one day. Uh, one day your was, book will be right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I interviewed him since and now i'm doing another total television book so he's going to be in that one so if you ever oh, do an great, update, great. odd couple book you can put there's no need to fear underdog is here <laughs> so how we usually start on fun ideas podcast tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into writing ah uh, well that was much later in my life actually i started uh, as a singer I was a singer with a with a group called the Duprees, touring with them in the 1980s, and also recording with some other groups who sang a cappella. I've always been into the 1950s music, the doo-wop era, the street corner sounds, and that's what I was doing when I decided to get into radio. I was taking it up in college, so I wanted to become a disc jockey. And luckily, the radio station, Seton Hall University in South Orange, New Jersey, where I was studying, had this wonderful radio station right on campus that covered the whole state of New Jersey, and I got a lot of practice there, and eventually went on, and I'm, I'm still doing radio some <clears throat> many years later, uh, still working now in New Jersey, and radio has taken me all over the country. Uh, at the same time I was doing radio, I was writing for a syndicated radio show mm-hmm. that was called Solid Gold Scrapbook, hmm. and it was hosted by a guy that. named... It was hosted by Norm and Knight, who's written a lot of those old rock-on books. Okay. He was the host, but I would write everything. Uh, it was a five-hour-a-week show, 
And that was my first real experience with writing. And I kind of put it on the shelf for a while, stayed in radio, and got back to it about 10 years ago. I had always, in the back of my mind, wanted to write a book about sitcoms, short live sitcoms. They've always been a fascination. And I got the chance. Uh, my very first proposal I sent to any publisher, they said, yeah, we like that idea. No one's ever done that. I just got really lucky. And uh, so that was about 2010, 2011. And since then, I've done 10 more. So it's, it's wow. kind of mushroomed. It's a lot of work, but it's, it's, uh, the, the end result when you're all done is, is just wonderful. I think I got all your uh, books. So what was the first one? Was it one of those small single season sitcoms? Yes, books? yes. It was okay. the, the very first single season sitcoms, 1948 to 1979. Okay. And since I've, man, I've covered the entire decade of the 80s and then the entire decade of the 90s. I've done a bunch of music-related books okay. called Who Did It First, which is about famous songs that were done first by somebody you would never know. But the uh, oh, famous okay. artist was not the first person to do it. And there have been several others. There was one that, that traced um, all the people from television who made records as a result of being on yes. television yeah, called From one. Small Screen to Vinyl, and there have been others. And most recently, I just finished, just weeks ago, it's now gone to press, uh, the Wings book, TV's Wings. Yeah, and it's not called Paul once... Wings. <laughs> no, no, no. Music too. <laughs> there, there once was a show from Nantucket is what it's called. And it traces okay. every episode and lots of interviews and pictures. Okay, very good. Um, so I'll stick on that one since that's the most recent one. So why Wings? I mean, obviously it was on for eight seasons. It did reasonably well, uh, but it's kind of forgotten now. So why Wings? <laughs> Because it's a show I've always liked and always thought it was under underappreciated. And because I had done some research looking into books that hadn't been done. Uh, there's been a million books about Cheers and Barney Miller and I Love Lucy and the Mary Tyler Moore Show. And I wanted to find a little niche that hadn't been done before. And Wings was, was the show to do. And uh, it's worked out very well. Everybody that I interviewed, and there were almost 100 people, involved with Wings that I talked to, everybody was so excited about the book because they feel underappreciated as well. And mm -hmm. they were so appreciative of me doing the book about the, the show that's never been done before. The cast, nobody was ever on the cover of TV Guide. Nobody won an Emmy for the show, and yet it was on for eight seasons. And it, it holds up pretty well if you, if, you, if you still watch the episodes, which are on, uh, I know CBS All Access has them. Mm -hmm. And I think they have their own channel still on Pluto TV, the Wings channel. And, of course, they're on DVD. If you right. <laughs> and on DVD is the only way to get all 172 episodes. I think there were some music issues, and there's 23 episodes they don't show on CBS All Access. Hmm. But they did they clear all the music for the DVD release, or did I they just guess. put them on there with music <laughs> changes? Okay. Yeah. No, the, the, nothing was changed. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I think it has to do with uh, a lot of the episodes have old standards that I think they had a certain amount of time to use. They had right. a, a deal and then it ran out. Songs like uh, Isn't It Romantic and um, trying to think of some of the other ones. Uh, it's just old standards like from the 30s and 40s. Right. But they, had, they had rights to use them for a while. Buttons and Bows is another mm -hmm. one. So if they reissued it now on Blu-ray, they might ha not have as much luck. They might have. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, right, so, right. Okay. So, anyway, if, yeah. So, if you're interested, get the, the DVDs, folks. That might be the best. Way it's to a pretty do it. cheap set. It's a, it's a yeah. very reasonably priced set. And 
Uh, it's not the finest quality. The original ones that first came out directly from Paramount were, were much better quality, but it's, it's, it's good. Mm -hmm. It's worth now, having. Now, now, did you interview in all your 100 interviews all the major principal actors and everything, including uh, David Tram? Even David Tram? Uh, no, I, I, he was gone by the time I started the book. Mm -hmm. And that was another impetus for me to, to write the book. Uh, mm -hmm. Because you know they're going to start disappearing one day, and, right. and let's capture their background on the show now while while everybody's still around. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he he passed on just as COVID hit right. back in March, uh, and and that was about the time. I I'm also an extra. I I, I do a lot of extra work on mm -hmm. television and in films, and everything shut down in March, and I needed a creative outlet, which is one of the reasons right. I wrote the Wings book. And uh, everybody was around, too. Everybody I wanted to talk to for the book, they had no work. So people were home. People yeah. were available. And so I was able to talk to producers and most of the cast and the writers of the show, a lot of people behind the scenes, uh, even the guy who worked with the extras on the show. And they had great pictures. And it, it should be a wonderful book. I think everybody's going to love it. I love yeah. doing it. Was there any major cast member other than what we said that, didn't want to do it or you couldn't get a hold of? Couldn't get hold of uh, a couple. Uh, and the other cast members said that they were kind of reclusive and they haven't been in touch with them in a while. So mm -hmm. there were a couple main ones. I, I don't know if I should mention them. It's, I don't want right to don't slight them, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but you can probably figure book. it out if you read yeah. the book. Yeah, yes, okay. yes, yes. Because there's no quotes from them or something. No, no. <laughs> right, okay. I won't a lot go of any pictures, but no that. quotes. Um, right. But I do have a few questions about Wings. I didn't watch it all the time, but uh, I know enough about it so I, you know, I can yeah, ask some basic questions. I, I mean, I noticed there is like a few cast changes over the years. I mean, uh, like, uh, oh, what's his name? I can't even think of his name. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church. Is that his name? Uh, yes. Yeah. And he, he played left? Lowell. Did, did he leave because of yes. Stacy? Is that the reason why he left? Okay. He he uh, wanted to grow and, and be okay. the star of a show, and he had his chance. He did the pilot for Ned and Stacy with um, what's her name from um, Will and Grace. She was, oh, she was De Deborah Messinger. Deborah Messing. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and it sold, and he had the chance to do it, and. He had wanted to get out even a season earlier, but he was contracted through six seasons. So, so he would have had to take a, a, a huge pay cut. Uh, he would have owed them a lot of money had he left after season five, and it wouldn't have been pretty. So, so he agreed to stay for that one more season. And he did one final episode he agreed to for uh, season seven just to have closure in the show with him leaving, not just disappearing into thin air. Okay. And then similarly, uh, Farrah Fork, she wasn't an original member, but she did come in somewhere along the line and only stayed for like two years. And then right. it looks like she left for Lois and Clark. Is that correct? Uh, Farrah Forky. She, she actually Forky. stresses that she pronounces it that way. Uh, <laughs> okay. Forky. Yeah, she, she did a, a couple of other sitcoms. Uh, she was supposed to come back for season six. And I think the people behind the scenes at the last minute had a thought change. And they were thinking Amy, uh, Amy Yazbek. And so uh, Forky didn't come back except for one episode in season six, they kind of wrote her out of the show. And she did go on to a couple other sitcoms. She did one called Mr. Rhodes. She did another one called Dweebs. And yes, Lois and Clark was, was a, a okay. big next thing that she did. I mean, it's like, you know, when you just look at things, you know, I'm just scanning lists and it looks like, oh, that's the thing she did next. But you never know. It might have been 
six months down the line or something. The right, right. Is on yeah, there, there, there was a little lapse in between there. And yeah. she was, she's one of my favorite people that I interviewed for the book. One of the mm-hmm. nicest people on the planet. She's mm-hmm. great. And um, how did Wings come about in the first place? Because it was like a mid-season replacement. It wasn't a, on any fall schedule. So where did it It, it wasn't from? supposed to be. <laughs> um, it, uh, it took a while to get Brandon Tartikoff on the same page with the people who created the show, which was David Lee, Peter Casey, and David Angel. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had all been involved with Cheers, and they went on their own to create this this next show. And the idea they had in mind when they presented it to Brandon Tartikoff at NBC of being set in an airport, he had this image of all they're going to see is the backs of people in line. He couldn't get (laughs) their their vision of the show. And when they finally... drew up a whole schematic and, and uh, scripts in advance and, and showed that it was a small airport. They weren't sure where it was going to be initially. It could have been Denver. It could have been uh, somewhere in, in Washington State. They were thinking Martha's Vineyard, and they finally uh, decided upon Nantucket. David Angel was from that region, so he really oh. knew it. So he had a lot of background, a lot of history that they could work into the show. So it became Nantucket. That was the base for the show. But uh, when they finally, they had trouble casting the show. The hardest role on the show to cast was the Helen character, which eventually went to Crystal Bernard. They went through Megan Mullally. They went through Perry Gilpin. They went through a bunch of people who almost got it, but even Lisa Kudrow. Um, But none of them were just right. And then they finally found Crystal Bernard and said, she's it. She wasn't supposed to, the character was supposed to be Greek. It was supposed to be a, a Greek, dark-haired woman, but they just liked Crystal's comic abilities. And uh, so, and she had a southern twang, which wasn't supposed to be part of the character, but they worked it in. And yeah. uh, it, it worked. She, she was great. For, I think it made for a little bit more diverse, diversity yes. in the cast. You know, so right, everybody right. just sounded like they're from New England. Like, even on Cheers, they don't all sound like they're from there either. No, you know? only Cliff. Only Cliff really yeah, sounds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, one thing that I found out, and I always, I never really thought about one way or the other, it's not officially a spinoff or anything to do with Cheers, yet there was some Cheers characters that appeared on the show. How did that come about? Is it just because same writers and they said, let's do it? Or, um, well, I, and they were kind of in the same state, you know, Frazier Austin. Too, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, it wasn't Frazier yet when he appeared. He was still only on Cheers. Oh, okay. Frazier hadn't started yet. So when Frazier and Lilith were in one episode, it was still like they were in the same Cheers universe and not okay. far away, Boston, Nantucket. Um, uh, who else appeared on the show? Um, I think Kirstie Alley did. Kirstie and, Alley um, did. Did Carrie Gilpin the... do it? Uh, once? Yes, she did. Okay, yes, okay. yes. Because you mentioned was, earlier, so they actually. She was a nightmare date. Yeah, she was a nightmare <laughs> date on the show. But she didn't play her uh, Frasier character. She, right. She, okay. All right. So she just happened to be on it. Okay. So, so but, how but, did they kind of explain it away? I mean, it's like, because usually everything is like cut and dried, like all in the family beget Maud, beget, you know, yeah. good times, you know. Oh, also, and this also, is like its own thing, but it's in a similar universe. So, how did they kind of explain also, it away? Well, uh, it was always on vacation. Well, for, for Frazier and Lilith, he was doing a seminar, a, a, a positive thinking seminar in, in Nantucket. He was, it was the train crane to mental health. Okay. He was taking it all over the country, and his next stop was Nantucket. When uh, George went and um, 
John Ratzenberger appeared on the show. They appeared as Norm and, and Cliff on vacation, thinking they were going to be fishing on Nantucket. They never get <laughs> they never get near the water. They're always belly up to the bar wherever they they wind up on Nantucket, just as if they were back in Boston. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, so it was you know they they kept them in character, just in a different universe. But it made sense. And the thing about uh, Wings. When it came out, people were calling it a clone of Cheers. And initially, <laughs> what hurt the show most when it came out in 1990, a- April of that year, there were only six episodes in the first season, uh, it was so compared to Cheers that reviewers were saying uh, they, they were kind of writing it off and giving it bad reviews. Mm-hmm. They let, when, when the show went into reruns on the USA channel, they kind of mm-hmm. had a second thought, but it was a little too late. Yeah. So the show initially had the, that... that those those bad critical reviews and was never really able to um what's the word i'm looking for uh we rebound get the, from that. Get the momentum to right, like right. become a big hit yeah because cheers they never itself, rebounded from that cheers yeah. itself the first season was you know and then uh, it was almost canceled, was Br- yeah. brandon tarikov we were talking about earlier is like you know he had more faith in it um was he gone by the time Wings came on the air, or was he, when did he pass away? I forgot. It was, it was a, yes, yes, he was. He, was, he okay. was gone. Okay. But but he was involved. He was still around when they were formulating it. But, okay. but by the time it got on the air, I don't think okay. he got to see it. Oh, okay. Because I was wondering if he had any further input. But I, no, I, no. I, without looking it up, I, I, you know, it just seems like the timing of it all he had done, fortunately. Uh, yeah, yeah. At that point. Okay. Um, and then I don't even remember, uh, this, I just kind of, like I said, I just kind of watched it off and on. Um, I thought Tony Shalhoub was always on the show. So how did they kind of work him in? Because I, I, you know, it just seemed like he was on from the beginning, but maybe I just didn't watch it at the beginning. He did one episode as a waiter in, in season two. It was a Valentine's day episode and everybody was so taken with his performance. He was that good that the cast, the writers, Everybody involved with the show said, somehow we have to work this guy into the show. He has to become a regular. How do we do it? How do we make it make sense? A waiter wouldn't make sense with the airport. How do we combine the two? Well, the, uh, the, the restaurant goes under. He takes a job as a, as a cab driver, and there he could always be at the airport. I see. You know, okay. Picking up people at the airport. And uh, as of season three, episode two, he was a regular right to the end. Very cool. Yeah. Because like I said, you know, it's just, and, and it may just be faulty memory. You know, you just think certain characters are so. Right, right. It, it, so ingrained. Yeah. 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 So ingrained is a good word. You know, it's even on shows, you know, I, I, Andy Griffith's show popped in my head, but uh, I'll say, uh, you know, like Otis the Drunk, you think he's on there every week. He was only on like about 10 times. A handful of episodes. Yeah. But, but you but, think he's always on there, you know, right, right. You know, or going to Odd Couple, which we'll talk in a minute, you know, like Myrna. You know, it seemed like she was on the whole right. time. It wasn't, you know. So, you know, she that's, came I guess she that's left, what yeah. it is about Tony. You know? And, you know, of course, when he went on to Monk and everything like that, he had this, you know, career after that. So, you know, he became a star from the show. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. And now the marvelous Mrs. Maisel that I work on is an yeah, extra. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, was because of your connection there, was that uh, an easy way to get a hold of No, 
Because <laughs> oddly enough, I'm never in any scenes with him. He never has reason. Okay. I'm always one of the tailors in, in the sweatshop. I don't know if you watched The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I've seen a couple but, episodes, but I haven't watched it regularly. There's, there's <laughs> the, the, the Maisel factory, which yeah. is uh, Maisel and Roth. It's a garment factory. Mm-hmm. And so Tony's from the other side of the family. He has no reason to come in there. So I've met uh, almost everybody else on the cast, but that's not funny. him. So. <laughs> Maybe eventually. Go to the writers. Write a show for me. And yeah, Tony. please. Bring Tony in. I want to meet him. Fantasy episode. <laughs> now, um, one episode that sticks in my mind, because I'm a Monkees fan, is the one where Peter Tork and Christopher Nard are bidding on the Monkey Mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so because of that, without watching every episode, that kind of is like my favorite episode. How did that one come about and uh, how was Peter to work with? Yeah, because he didn't do too much acting after the monkeys, but you know. The, the episode's called She's Got a Habit, which right. was influenced by the Spike Lee movie, <laughs> which is the same title. Uh, it's um, one of the later seasons, like season seven. Yeah. Uh, Peter Tork actually between scenes would entertain the crowd when when they uh, when they had the live audience. He would he would actually perform for them. Uh, he and he doesn't really play the manic self like on the monkey show. He's really playing Peter Tork, so he's right, he's right. much more <laughs> subdued in this episode. Mm-hmm. I got to uh, interview the guy who played the auctioneer in this episode. Hmm. His name Craig Richard Nelson, mm-hmm. and uh, he had a lot of good background. I don't want to spoil some of the fun okay. in the book. But uh, he said, you know, Peter Tark was great, you know, very accommodating, performing uh, between scenes for the, for the audience, and, and the, the cast was eating it up, and he was really, really nice, really good guy. Very cool. Um, I, I suppose the inevitable question on any sitcom is, and even if we've lost, uh, you know, cast members, is, is there going to be a reunion, you know, or any sort of, you know, documentary special or anything like that about the show? Well, last year was the 30th, well, actually earlier this year was the 30th anniversary this past April mm-hmm. uh, of 1990. Um, and about that time, actually a little before that, before COVID hit, there was talk of a reunion. In fact, Stephen Weber was on one of the morning shows talking about it. They were actually thinking of even Rebecca Scholl, who's 91 years old, was, <laughs> was going to be part of it. And uh, I guess the, the whole COVID thing set it back because nothing was produced from like March mm-hmm. until just recently, October, things picked up again. So I think they've kind of shelved it. But uh, there, there was a nice, on one of those cable channels, uh, the Antenna TV channel, I think it was, that mm-hmm. ran a 30th anniversary weekend of, uh, of Wings, like from beginning to end most of the episodes. And some of the cast members hadn't seen the episodes in a long time. In fact, I interviewed Rebecca Shull, who played Faye Emerson Cochran, uh, mm-hmm. Faye Evelyn Cochran on the show. Uh, she said she hadn't seen some of the episodes since they first aired. She's kind of been away from it for such a long time. She said they, they really held up. She was, she was glad to see it and proud to be part of the 30th anniversary. Very cool. Well, hopefully when the COVID all ends, maybe they will, you know, they don't have to do it on an anniversary. They just do it, you know, or, right. or say postponed from the 30th. Now the 30th. It just would have been so timely. The, the exactly. 30th yeah. It would have been yeah. perfect timing, but it, some now, things just don't work out. When the series went off the air after eight seasons, was it just ratings or was everybody ready to go or a combination? Combination. Yeah. Okay. Uh, after eight years, uh, in fact, I, talked to uh, some of the directors and the writers of the show 
and they said it was kind of getting tough to come up with ideas, new new things. Uh, so about season six, it kind of goes. If you watch it chronologically, the show gets a little more bizarre as they go along, a little more <laughs> out there, really, yeah. really on the on the on the fringes. And it's it's almost a different series as of that <laughs> point. And it gets a little a little wackier, uh, mm-hmm. and it's changed producers over. You you can actually see different points in the show where uh, some of the people have left from behind the scenes to go on to Frasier. A lot of those people, in fact, David Angel, Peter Casey, and uh, David Lee, all in 1994, went on to do Frasier. And so there was a new regime, and there were a couple of others after that. And, yes, some of the uh, actors were a little fried, as Tim Daly had said. By by season eight, he was ready to move on. He said it it was a great thing it was it was so much fun being in front of a live audience but he's gone, gone on to a lot of great things including madam secretary most recently um steven weber has done some great stuff uh tony shaloub has gone on <laughs> so many wonderful things uh, and thomas hayden church he was he yeah. was up for an oscar for uh sideways yeah and, and one of the spider-man was, films and, <laughs> yes that Sandman. too yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, in, in season eight, the, the the ratings started to slip, and and NBC was not going to bring it back for a ninth season. But had they, everybody would have come back. They all said they had no reason to leave. It was such a fun atmosphere, one of the most fun shows they've worked on. Everybody seemed to get along really well, and uh, nobody really wanted to leave unless they had to. Was there any talk of any spinoff at any point or anything like that? I don't think there ever was one, was there? No, I... Just because uh, I think everybody had focused on Frasier and David Hackle, who was behind the scenes for like the first six seasons on Wings, went on to Becker, which was his own project, and he's very proud of that. And and um, so everybody went on to other things, and, and they, I guess there were, there were no characters that would spin off as well as to a Frasier character. Mm. It takes a certain something and i don't don't think uh, any of these people on a standalone basis might have been their own series i don't know i'm 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 guessing here but okay i didn't know if there might have been talks along the way i don't know which character they would have spun off you know even tony shalhoub's character maybe i don't know right but you know uh it seems like most of them went on to other things almost immediately it seems like you know so there wasn't really a time for that so yeah um, but well, sometimes, then, you know, they've been off later, you know, like Gloria instead of all the family. Right, right. Some of them don't work. Joey from Friends. Yeah, you know. yeah exactly. Um, so, I mean, we'll talk about the other books and everything, but yeah, give a quick plug about this one. Where do you get it? And uh, when is it, it out? Is it out? just yet? came out as of okay. Christmas Day. Uh, okay. I don't have a physical copy of it yet. Okay. Uh, it, it's still okay. being pressed. I should get mine about Inauguration Day of 2021. Um, (laughs) it's coming out in both hardcover and softcover you have your choice uh it's available from bearmannermedia.com that's Mm -hmm. the publisher or it's already on amazon.com and i'm sure it'll be on most of the other any place on the internet that uh sells books yeah, I mean, most of my books are through Bear Manor. Yeah, they get on barnesandnoble.com. Right, right, right. Yeah. And get I think eventually down the line, they always put an ebook edition, but, you know, he likes to sell physical right, copies. Right. I know Ben does. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so, you know, buy the physical copies, everybody. Don't wait for me. Exactly. The please, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Daddy has right. a new pair of shoes. So, um, 
let me ask you this because we're just like in the middle and you know i introduced you as bob lashek and that's how it is on the book but you go by bob o'brien and that's your dj name i know it's that's my dj name say but i mean and uh, there's a story there there's a story there I, i was working in hartford connecticut as bob leshjack i had gotten a fan letter addressed to bob muskrat and I realized that <laughs> people weren't getting it. It's, it's, it's not a common name. It's a Polish name. Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering, hmm, what, what name do I pick? I, I need to change this. It fell into my lap because the next radio station I worked at already had a guy named Bob O'Brien who was supposed to work there, backed out at the last minute. And they already had the jingles made and... So they said, would you want to be Bob O'Brien? And I liked it because it's spelled out B-O-B, Bob, Bob O'Brien. <laughs> and that was 1986, and I'm still using it today on, on the radio. So <laughs> cool. it's, yeah, it's, it's, kind of it's stuck. slides off the tongue a little bit. Better. Yes, Bob it's a lot O'Brien. easier. Or lips or whatever. <laughs> but I, I wanted the family name on a book because none of my family has ever Got done it. anything like that. So yeah. uh, that's why all the books are, are the, the real name. And like I said, that's how I, I knew you originally. And so, you know, when I saw you on Facebook and you're a Facebook friend is, and you started talking about TV show, I go, geez, this guy knows a lot about TV shows. <laughs> how come he knows, you know, oh, how he's written a couple books, you know, it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, I think you changed it on Facebook. Now you put your name in parentheses, but I don't think yes, it was that yes. way originally. So no, it wasn't, you're right. You know, and you had contacted me out of the blue, like I said, uh, for the Odd Couple book. And so let's talk a little bit about that one. I mean, okay. um, there was a book years ago. Unfortunately, I still don't have your book. You know, that's the one I want. I want to get that oh. one. <laughs> yeah. Here, take it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just haven't bought it yet. It's like I forgot about it. It's like it's embarrassing I'm interviewing this guy. Oh, no. Yeah. But anyway, this is the one that I have from years ago. You probably have seen it. It's by Rip Rents called Odd Couple yes. Mania. I hate this book only because i'm not gonna tear it up uh the guy puts everything in like you know or the order of like subject matter like you put the holiday episodes together and the ones where they you know they're dating together or mm-hmm. one, you know and it's like it's not just it's not chronological right so i assume you corrected that situation right. and kind of and he also kind of has many different sections in, in my book but, uh, but there is the, the episode section this is all in order now he did do some interviews with like a lot of the cast but it's like just so uh yeah. are were you and i hope this will make me buy the book tomorrow today tonight <laughs> um did you interview everyone involved with the show as best you could Yes, but of course, Randall and Klugman were already gone. Okay. And the reason I wrote that book is because it had been such a long time since that book that you just showed. Yeah. Uh, It had been like more than 20 years. And I said, we need to get back in touch with these people. And uh, so I I talked to a lot of the writers, the directors, uh, many of the guest stars, uh, like John Biner. uh, I talked to Jack Carter. Those people, right before he passed, um, Mark Rothman, who was one of the writers of the show, he's he wrote a foreword for the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to talk to Eleanor Donahue, who played Miriam upstairs, Miriam Welby, and uh, she was great. She had so much to say about the. She was only. There's another example of what you were talking about earlier. You think she's in every episode. She was right. only in se- 17 episodes. Yeah. But but you think she's always there. And uh, she had some wonderful memories, uh, vivid memories of every episode that she was on, and even some she wasn't. And, uh, 
that was another labor of love. Probably the two favorite books I've written are, are the ones focused on one TV show. Mm-hmm. And um, did you get to interview Penny Marshall? We mentioned her as Myrna. <laughs> no, uh, I could not get her, um, mm-hmm. but I did get through to Gary Marshall. Uh, he oh. had just written his own uh, My Happy Days book, his own autobiography. It was, had right. just come out. So he didn't want to quote in my book, but he said, if you need any help, my people will help you. Henderson okay. Productions. So if, if yeah. any questions need to be answered, I can go through them. So, yeah. so he was helpful. I, I, I think what you did without even seeing it, I think what you did is probably the best because you got all the behind the scenes because even if you got Randall and Klugman, they just like, yeah, we came in, we had some fun, and then we left. You know, it's like, you know, sometimes I think the people who write a show and produce it and direct it sometimes have, have, the, have the better stories. So, you know. Well, and I, the, the book traces it from its original Broadway roots. Yeah, I was going to ask that too. Does it just talk about the TV show or does it talk about No, everything? every incarnation, including oh, okay. the oddball couple. But uh, yeah. <laughs> every, even I was so lucky when I was writing the book, mm-hmm. uh, I had no intention of it of there being I, I had no inkling of the tv series coming back with with the matthew perry and thomas lennon version i did not know but that just happened fell into my lap while i was writing the book and so that was a little bonus because people were interested in that franchise again just oh, because okay. of the new version i guess for comparison's sake and uh so that was great timing on their behalf and did I, you I talk to any, for, anybody from that series uh it hadn't debuted yet oh okay okay so it, it was just it. in the filming stages right. right so so nobody had seen it there were no reviews of it yet mm-hmm. uh but but i knew who the stars were but that, mm-hmm. that was about it at that point so you can do an updated version with the oddball couple now <laughs> but yes, you know, yes i can and well, and the uh the matthew perry version a little more on that <laughs> episode guide in fact, they actually, they redid some of the episodes, as did the new Odd Couple when they right. did the, the black version in 1982. Right. With, uh, uh, they uh, also Ron did Glass, the, yeah. yes, Ron, Ron Glass and DeMond Wilson. DeMond Wilson. Um, <laughs> the, in, in the newest version with Matthew Perry, they also did that income tax version with, with, with the blackboard Mm-hmm. When you assume you make an ass of you and me, right? <laughs> that came. That was in all three versions. Wow, which is amazing. So, so that they borrowed from the first one and the second one. Mm-hmm. They kept uh, reusing scripts. Did you uh, interview anybody from the movie itself, uh, the original? Um... Uh, some of some of the um, people who had minor roles, but I did get to talk to um, Walter Matthau's son, Charlie. Okay. And Jack Lemmon's son, right. Chris. So, so they had some great memories, fun memories about their dads and, and how they were like their characters and how they weren't like the characters. <laughs> and how, they, how the two were, were, were such great friends, as were Tony Randall and Jack Klugman. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only were they, you know, friends for the, for the movie and for the TV series, in actual real life, these guys really respected and liked one another. Mm-hmm. Did you talk to uh, um, Jack Klugman's sons? Because I know they were on the uh, Gilbert show, as was you for an odd couple. That was the first uh, time, unfortunately, I got to talk oh. to them. I, I did not get them in time for the book, but right. that, that would have been nice. Because um, Adam was in two episodes, playing the younger Oscar. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he does a killer impression of his dad. It's like Yes, he amazing. does. <laughs> like, when he was doing it, I was busting up. I said, Jack, well, both of his alive. parents, both of his yeah. parents had very distinct voices. Probably yeah. very, very 
easy to imitate because they. And were, I'll they even so say distinct. that about Chris Lemon and uh, Mouthhouse Son. Uh, you know, they can do their dads perfectly. Yes, they too. can. It's like wow, guys. They, should, they should bring back the odd go, oddball couple with <laughs> these that, guys. Wouldn't yeah. that be fun? Wouldn't that be great? Wow. <laughs> you know, they could. They they don't have to be a cat and a dog like that. They could just be right, uh, right. humanoid. But I mean, as an animated one, you know. And I would love to see that. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> they, idea. They've done every other version of it. Why not? Right. Yeah, right. So. <laughs> Um, did you get to to uh, meet or talk to the master of the whole thing, uh, Neil Simon, or was he gone by the time? Yeah. He was not well. I tried to go through his wife, uh, Elaine Joyce, and it just didn't work out. But yeah, he yeah. was he was already not doing any more interviews by that time. Yeah. It was too bad. Yeah, I don't I, I don't think on my uh, Pink Panther book, I don't think I really uh, uh, approached him because it's such a small part of their whole filmography right, right. for me, you know, for you, it was like, you know, uh, a little bit more, but, uh, although he didn't yeah. want to be involved with the TV series. And in, in fact, uh, early episodes have his name and then he, he had them take it off. Well, that's right. Isn't it like the official Neil Simons, like the, Neil yeah. Simons, the odd couple. On, okay. And that, that only lasts for a while. However, he does do a cameo in, in season five. His daughter, Neil Simons' daughter, liked the series and said, Dad, you really should sit down. They're really good. This, this is really a good ad- adaptation of, of your, your story. And uh, he finally sat down and said, all right, <laughs> I give in. It, it is good. And he, they got him to do a cameo. Where they, mm-hmm. where they they're crossing the street. I don't know if you remember the episode. It's called Two on the Aisle," and they're crossing Probably. the street. I, I, I've it's, seen all. It's of an exterior scene. Yes. Yeah, this show I know better. Scene. You know, it's like I could have you know sparred with you and the rest of them on that uh, Gilbert Gottfried episode because, but you know, <laughs> I, you know when, when they're saying, "What's your favorite episode?" and everybody's like, uh, 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 "Oh, Password," I guess. You know, it's like I love Password, but my favorite one is actually the fifth season. It's the Rent Strike with Victor Buono. That's my yep. favorite one. And Victor I, was in like, two episodes. Yes, I know that. <laughs> you know, and I, I'm a big Victor Bono fan. Uh, and, and he and Randall, I mentioned in the in the book, did not get along for some reason. <laughs> but I think that he, worked for the the purposes of the script. Probably, I'm talking about. They know. didn't like they didn't like one another, and, wow. and I was never I was never actually told why. But Eleanor Donahue said uh, there was always a problem. But he came back for two episodes, so wow. it couldn't have been that bad. Yeah, or maybe they Randall enjoyed the friction because it made good comedy. I mean, some people are Probably. that way, a little masochistic, but, you know, it's like, sure. hey, for the sake of the show. Um, I forgot, did you say what your favorite was in the series? Uh, probably the one called Take My Furniture, Please, which, one's that? Uh, which is the one where he redecorates a part with, with the hand chair. Oh, yes. <laughs> no wonder you have, have a hand chair. Yes, yes, you were showing that before we started. Yes. <laughs> I, I've always loved that episode. There's so many great lines in there. I, I feel like I'm insured by Allstate. I feel like an M&M. <laughs> Cracks me up to this day every time I watch it. It's probably yeah. There's a lot of favorites, but that, oh, yeah. that one is way uh, up there. The amazing thing about the show for me is that they uh, did what is usually like cardinal sin to a sitcom, or the death knell or whatever, of having a lot of guest stars, especially later on. But somehow the guest stars worked. 
And in, in fact, if the crazier they were, if they're like Monty Hall or Bobby Riggs or whatever, it made for the better script, which is really bizarre to me, you know. And it wasn't always their choice. Uh, sometimes the network would say, hey, uh, so-and-so is available, like a Roy Clark, who really mm-hmm. doesn't fit in with the odd guy. Right. Uh, can, can, you, can you make him, can, can you avail him in some way into the series? He's he's available now can we use him we want to use him so they would kind of pressure them uh, other ones were the choices of of randall and klugman of course tony randall wanted all the artsy people like uh, <laughs> marilyn horn and uh, martina arroyo yeah. uh klugman wanted the more sports related figures right. <laughs> deacon jones was on the show howard cosell and, and so they got to pick and choose uh, one time uh, they had to work both of them in for one episode. If you remember, one of the Howard Costell episodes is also about opera. Oh, yeah. and it was... Well, they had a great script written all around Howard Costell, who was not an opera fan. Right. <laughs> but they, for a very brief time, Tony was pressuring, pressuring, pressuring. He wanted Martina Arroyo. Martina Arroyo, please, let's use her in an episode. They had to use her that same week. So the writers had to really scramble to come up with, how do we make Howard Cosell and Martina Arroyo make sense in the same episode? They made him an opera fan and made it work. It was totally fictional. There's no, not a shred of reality in that because he was not a fan of opera at all. But they made it work, and it's a great episode. Somehow, the credit to the writers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what I said. You know, it's like some of the craziest ones, you know, like I, I would say if I have another favorite, it's the one I just said is Bobby Riggs. And then the, the right. you know, the various competitions where they're trying to, to beat Riggs at his own game, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. with the two hands on their shoulders. Yes. <laughs> and then, you know, the extra cameo at the end, you know, spoiler alert, uh, you know, Billy Jean King coming out. Right. And they play table tennis, which is great, you know. <laughs> like, and Riggs did a good job. He he held his own in that episode. He, he was not bad as an actor. Was, right, was, right. And that's another passable. thing. You know, it's like uh, certain people came on the show. Like you know, I said Monty Hall. You know, Monty Hall. You know, you just think of him as a game show host. Can he act? No, well, he yeah. did reasonably well. You know, oh yeah. Uh, Alan Ludden did reasonably well, you know. It's like, you know, yes, he they're doing what they normally do, but, you know, it's like... Well, Alan uh, also did some Broadway stuff. He, he did a lot, of, oh, okay. a lot of plays, and mm-hmm. in fact, a lot of those game show hosts did. Burt Convy and a lot of those guys were also actors. Right. With, That's right, yeah. Burt Convy was in Fiddler on the Roof and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> um, so, did you talk to any of those, uh, any guest stars, or were they you know, unavailable, uh, or were you able to talk? Um, I did talk to Marlon Mason, who was in oh, two episodes. Okay. If you know who she is, she was in one in season one and then one later on. And she was one of the few people who did not have great things to say <laughs> about working on the show. And she, she and Randall kind of butted heads a little bit. Now but you but keep she saying, still did two episodes. Now, you keep saying Randall. Uh, was it only people butted heads with him? Or no. Butt heads with you know, it's too? funny. It's funny, so many of the people I interviewed, either they loved both of them, they hated one, some of them did not get along with Tony, some did not get along with Jack, but loved Tony. It, it, there's, there's no rhyme or reason, and there's no consistency. It's, it's all over the place, and uh, it, it makes for a fun read, because nobody's on the same page. Yeah. I don't know how I'd get along. I know when I was younger, I probably would have gotten along with Tony Randall better, because I thought... 
thought uh, Jack Lugman's character, I mean, Oscar Mazza, is a little too sloppy for my taste as a kid. <laughs> now I kind of identify with him a little bit more, and I think Tony Randall's uh, Felix Unger is a little too prissy. It is like, kind of loosen up, dude. You know, <laughs> it's like so. And they were quite a bit like their real, like the characters they were portraying. I, it, Tony did like opera. He uh, he was fastidious. He was very into proper language and, and proper uh, means of speaking. And he was into um, Shakespeare and, and all that stuff where Jack Klugman did play the races. He was, he was always betting on horses, uh, <laughs> even, but, but, you know, while he's in his dressing room, he's listening to the races in between scenes and uh, he, he didn't eat well. And it's just amazing that, you know, Tony was the healthy one. And Jack was the sloppy one and really didn't care about what he ate and stuff. And yet he outlived Tony, which right. is which is <laughs> so strange and uh, total irony. Uh, although, you know, they weren't 100% like their characters. Tony Randall would enjoy a beer once in a while. And yeah. he liked sports, which never comes yeah. out in this series. Right. Uh, Klugman wasn't as sloppy as he was uh, on, on the show, <laughs> but they did use a lot of his clothing. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he had a lot of sloppy clothing, he just happened to have it, and it, it cut. It, the show was on a real shoestring budget, which accounts for its five seasons. Mm-hmm. It didn't cost much to make, and the stars were not looking for friends and everybody loves Raymond and Frazier type money. They just wanted to keep working, and they were enjoying what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, if they could cut corners, they would. Eleanor Donahue wore her own dresses, mm. and uh, so. It was, it was always on a, on a budget. They would use less extras some weeks just to cut back to, to keep within budget. And then at the end of the year, ABC would look at it and say, okay, we can bring it back. Even though the ratings aren't wonderful, because they never were, uh, <laughs> let's do another year of it. So, so they got Well, near the end, weren't they like of. saying, hmm, if we do a few more, we'll get to 100 episodes, which is like the magic syndication yes. number. Yeah. Well, so. they did get to 114, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, and it's it almost... True- well, it ahead. almost came back for a sixth season. They weren't sure. It was yeah, that's what of... I was going to ask about. It's like the final episode, uh, Felix gets remarried to Gloria, but did they just write it or did they actually film an, a different ending on that? Uh, according to the, the people behind the scenes, they actually filmed another uh, another ending, but nobody's ever found it. Mm. Uh, it doesn't ex- seem to exist on video anywhere. All the outtakes or on YouTube, maybe right. you've seen The Odd Couple, but, but whatever happened to it, if they did film it, mm-hmm. so uh, I would love to see it. I wish it had been included on one of the DVD sets, mm-hmm. but there there was, just in case they were renewed, there was a way to get out of it uh, where Felix doesn't remarry Gloria in the final episode. Do, do, you, know what hap- do you know what happens? Or uh, Just that uh, she she backs out last minute and mm-hmm. they go on. And he, and he stays in the apartment with, with hmm. Jack Klugman. With, with have, you, have, you, have you seen a copy of the script or anything like that? Or? No, I haven't. Mm. No. Wow. <laughs> you know, okay. But allegedly that's, it's out there somewhere. Because so. that would be interesting to see at least that. That would be wonderful to see. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So if anybody has a copy of script for episode 114, <laughs> yes. we want to see it. Uh, Felix remarries <laughs> is what it's called. The alternate version. Um, yeah. Uh, just out of curiosity, and I never thought about this till just now, it's like, did, uh, I don't even know if they worked together or if they met. Did, did Klugman and, uh, Randall ever meet, uh, Mathau and Lemon? 
Oh, that's a good question. I thought you were going to ask me, had they met before? They had worked on a, a series in 1955 called Appointment with Adventure. That was the same episode. That was Klugman and Randall? Klugman and oh, wow, Randall. I, that. <laughs> I would love to, there's another episode I would love to see. It doesn't seem to exist. I think oh, it was, was it, it was, was live, live so yeah, the, yeah. the kinescope <laughs> is somewhere or, or, or not at all. But uh, little did they know that 15 years later they'd be making TV history. <laughs> but as far as Mathau and Klugman, uh, I mean, well, Klugman was on Broadway in The Odd Couple, but okay. never with, he replaced Mathau, so okay yeah i don't think they work together but okay just they missed it by that much you know? yeah and uh the same role same yeah, stage I think, yeah it's like and, and you know I, I i've seen like in this other odd couple book we'll stop talking about that but it does, that's <laughs> big, it does it's the one i have no but uh, yeah it talks about so the original people on the stage version were art carney as felix right and uh it was always walter Matthau. Is that well, well, no, he, he eventually left. Well, I mean, uh, originally, I meant to say. Yes, there, yes, there, you're right. There was, uh, there was no Oscar before, yeah, okay. No, no, yeah, it was yeah. him. Okay, and uh, then he but left, he a, and then... He was, was contracted he to the fortune cookie, and he also had a heart attack, so he, there was some downtime, and then the fortune cookie, and he wasn't going to go back to Broadway. It was already, you know, he was, okay. he was replaced, so. And so was he replaced directly with Klugman or was it with yes. uh, someone else? Okay. And then somewhere along the line, Eddie Bracken came in. When did he come in? Um, trying to think of the chronology here. He was, <laughs> yes, he was in with Klugman because I, I have one of the, one of the playbills with those two on the cover. So. Okay. Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna quiz you like uh, how many people because I know I you know you're, you're aware of Drew Friedman, right? You know he always posts yes. like the oddest odd couple combinations that have happened over the years, ones with Don Rickles and right, I can't right. even think of all the different ones. Uh, Ernest Borgnine, maybe even I don't remember. It's like and it's just the craziest combinations. Like oh, to have a camera or to be in the audience for those, you know, <laughs> just some of them, you know. Well, Randall and Klugman were not the original choices. Uh, Mickey Rooney was in running for a long oh, that's time. Right. That's right. Uh, and even before they, well, Randall was, was one of the early choices, but he wasn't the first. Uh, <laughs> there was even talk about Dean Martin being on this show, but he already had his variety show. Why would he leave that for, for a sitcom? Uh, there, there were a lot of different people. Jack Carter was one of the original people considered. Uh, and, and the only reason that, they got Klugman was Penny Marshall had worked with Klugman very recently on a show called Then Came Bronson. If you remember oh, that okay. with, yeah, yeah. with uh, Michael, um, uh, what's the guy's last name? Parks, Michael Parks. Okay. I was going to say, and you're on your own both, on that one. I just know the title. They, <laughs> <laughs> they had been in the same episode. She said he, he would be a good uh, Oscar. And of course he had done it already on Broadway. And Gary Marshall said, yes, I had seen him in Gypsy on stage with Ethel Merman and he's so close to Ethel Merman all the time and, and when she sings she's loud and she sprays there's a lot of spittle happening and he just stood there and Gary Marshall was so impressed with that just watching this man just stay in character despite all the spit that was coming at him on stage from Ethel Merman's singing and talking very loud that he said he, he, there's a fine actor I think you're right Let, let's try him out and initially, the two of them did not get along, Tony Randall and Jack Klugman, because you know the limo story, I'm sure, yes, right? Yeah. Read, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you because, can repeat it. That's fine. <laughs> uh, well, when they had the original first table reading and, and meeting with the, the, the network and everything, uh, they were in the same limo. 
mm-hmm. Jack Klugman and Tony Randall. Klugman lights up a cigar. Of course, Tony absolutely hated smoking, anything to do with smoking. And so <laughs> right away, it, it didn't look like the series would ever get off the ground. But Gary Marshall, uh, quick on his feet, said, all right, next time, two limos. And from there, it was pretty smooth sailing for the next five seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, was there any reservations about using Klugman because he was like considered a serious actor because of doing things like Twilight Zone and things like that? He was reluctant at first about doing another reluctant. sitcom because uh, he it, it took some, some arm twisting. Uh, he had done a sitcom back in 1964 called Harris Against the World, hmm. which was part of, uh, it was an umbrella show. It was three shows in a row set in the same neighborhood, and it aired, uh, sadly, on NBC on Monday nights against that CBS juggernaut and just didn't, didn't <laughs> make it. But it was three shows. One was called Karen. One was called Tom, Dick, and Mary with Joyce Bulafont. Mm. And then there, there was uh, Harris Against the World with Jack Klugman. And every episode, he was against something. He, he was a family man, and he also worked in an office. And it would be uh, Harris Against His Wife, Harris Against His Maid, Harris Against... That was the title of each episode. And it didn't do well. And it only lasted 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. And apparently Universal didn't pay him. <laughs> he was contracted for a full year. But when they pulled it after 13 episodes, they said, all right, that's it. They, they broke the contract. And <laughs> yeah. So uh, he, he was kind of burned on the idea of doing another sitcom or even another series. So do, do, episodes that, do episodes of that exist? Or? Yes. Or- are they on YouTube or where? I, I old sitcoms. That's one I've never been able to get from my collection. No. Oh. They're, they're not commercially available anywhere on any uh, online service. The only way to see them is at UCLA. Oh, UCLA okay. Film Archives. They, they have the entire run of that whole umbrella, the Karen, uh, Tom, Dick, and Mary. None of them are good. Okay. <laughs> and Harris <laughs> Against the World. But, but they have the entire run of all three. Well, the only thing I'd want to see it for is just to see how Klugman's performance was. Right, know. right. Now, did well, uh, Randall... wasn't sloppy. Any, did, did Tony Randall do a sitcom or any series oh, prior yes. to Odd Couple? I Mr. Peepers. Mr. Oh, that's Peepers. right. Duh. With Bobby <laughs> Cox. He played yeah. Harvey Westkit for that's four right. seasons. That's yeah. right. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I think of him, you know, pre- uh odd couple is doing like uh you know the seven faces of dr Lowe and stuff like that well, and all those doris yeah. day and rock hudson yeah and that type too. of stuff you know so i think of them more as a movie send star me no flowers and, right, right. and had a few record albums that i think did nothing on the charts like Bodie <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> right 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 you know, sweet and lively or whatever it was it was too hokey yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but there was an odd couple album Yes, I have. They did an album. <laughs> yeah. And, and Clubman uh, couldn't Clubman sing. He knew it. He knew it. Sing. I'll just say he can't, you know, but it makes it work, you know, because he can't sing. In uh, fact, there's a quote from him. Of course, I didn't talk to him, but there's a quote. Uh, he felt so bad about being in the studio with these like 76 musicians, talented people around him, and, <laughs> and listening to him sing. <laughs> he said he felt really out of place and uh, really bad about that. Uh, well, I love, embarrassed. I love their version of You're So Vain. I You're So Vain is the one that sticks <laughs> yeah. out because it's just so out of character. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But that is that is a very weird album. I'll admit. Yes, yes. Anyway, um, actually, since I'm talking about that, and we can come back to Odd Couple too, but uh, do you talk about that in your dynamic duets? 
book <laughs> <laughs> no oh you know about that book okay that that's a, a weird book it, it's like one-time duets okay uh, the original idea was to cover all duets throughout the rock era and uh, the publisher had a different uh idea for the book so it's like one-time uh people it's like on you're so vain in the background is mick jagger Right. You didn't know this. The, yeah, the Carly Simon version, not the other. Right, right, version. right. <laughs> That'd be so funny. It, it's, it's, it's like, <laughs> so it became that kind of book. It's it's uh, always okay. one time. So it's, it's about real singers. Elton John so and you, Kiki yeah, D. Yeah, and okay. That that, yeah. I, I was wondering if you did like little one-offs like this, the odd couple. I guess things. I could have done a section, but I didn't. I didn't think of it. But <laughs> that, that would have been in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, how obscure do you go in there? Like, do you have like the song that uh, Harry Nielsen and Cher did, and things like that, or, or it had all to have made hit songs? Like yeah, that, it had to have but... made the charts. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. I didn't know how deep you go. Okay. Right. Right. Um, and then there's, um, well, actually, I wanted to ask this also. You mentioned uh, Mickey Rooney, and Mickey Rooney was also up for the role of Archie Bunker. Was he just looking for a series at that time? Uh, or do you know anything about that? Because, I mean, it's kind of ironic. He was up for, like, two iconic yes. 1970-71 series, is, you know. If, if you know anything about Mickey Rooney, he was a little tough to work with. He okay. had this reputation. Yeah. <laughs> and he had had two sitcoms yeah. earlier. In fact, he had had four in his whole career, and none of them lasted a season. Yeah. Uh, in the 50s, it was, it was simply called The Mickey Rooney Show or Hey Mulligan. Yeah, one Mulligan season. Is what I remember. <laughs> yeah. Then ten years later, in '64, he had one simply called Mickey. Lasted 13 episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, the best one he did was one called One of the Boys, which uh, <laughs> had um, who was the his co-stars were famous. And I, I blanked on who they are. Um, um, I'll I'll think of them. But it was it okay. was a decent show. Uh, Scatman Crothers was one of them. Wow. <laughs> now, do you talk about all these various shows like this in your single season sitcoms books? Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. Any any sitcom that lasted a season or less, and I even have a, a, a section in the back, some shows that came back for a second season, like, I don't know if you remember, The Governor and J.J. came mm -hmm. back for a second season, but was canceled mid-season in the second season. There's a right. special section for that. But any show from 1948 all the way through 1999 – is covered in three books. That's a lot of shows. Thousands <laughs> of shows. Well, there's, a lot of, there's two that uh, strike my mind because they've come out on DVD, strangely enough. Now, would this count as a single season show or if it's because it's two half seasons, it wouldn't. One is uh, Best of the West. And the I love that show. The it's other is there. Angie. And they both were like two half seasons. Right, so would right. that count as a single season show or by your definition, that's well, really Angie, seasons. Yeah. Angie was an interesting one because it started out like gangbusters. And then mm -hmm. when it came back for a second season, there was a different format. Right. Uh, they, they changed a lot of things and it only lasted, you know, just a, a few weeks. But uh, yeah, that, that would be in, in that back section. Uh, Best of the West lasted one full season, but should have been a lot longer. I, I yeah. loved that show and it was new and I bought the DVD set as soon as I heard it was coming right. out. It's still <laughs> funny. It, yeah. It's just brilliant. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you've seen her. Earl Pomerantz. Stu, Stu Shostak's show, but he had uh, the star Best of the West. Um, you know, because he oh, was also Joel. On, so, yeah, Joel Higgins. He was also on Silver Spoon, so you yeah. know, he's a good friend of uh, Stu's. So, uh, yeah, he talked about that show and everything like that, you know. But, of course, Silver Spoon was a lot more successful, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
But did he, did he um, have nice things to say about it? Because I, I thought it was brilliant. Yes, yes. And that, it actually was about the time that it came out on DVD. And I was like, ooh, it's on DVD. Wow. <laughs> you know, in fact, I like in it the... That, I like it that these companies are digging a little deeper sometimes. Yes, it's nice. And also, there's a show from the the 60s called Hank that they put out on DVD. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and in color. I haven't ever seen it in color. Oh, that's a color episode? Oh, yes, yes. Not that it matters. I mean, it's like I I love Lucy and Bilko and everything else. Right, right, right. But it 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 was shot in color, and it looks really good. I hadn't. I saw it on black and white TV when it first aired way back in the 60s. Now, Showing the sing- my age. On the single season sitcoms, was a requirement to see at least an episode of each one, or do you just write about them? Oh, no. I, I had seen maybe 95, 96% of them. I have a oh. vast collection here to my left of things on DVD and, and films and, and uh, actual copies from people who had the, the film oh, wow. transferred to DVD. Uh, of course, some of the uh, live shows are lost forever. There are no uh, existing copies. There was a Jack Lemon sitcom called That Wonderful Guy, never to be <laughs> seen again. <laughs> from 1950, never to be seen again. Uh, there was a Dumont sitcom that I got a lot of comments from, from the people who worked on it, but find an episode, it's impossible. Uh, it was done live, all the kinescopes are gone, called It's a Business. Hmm. Um, a bunch of those from, from yeah, the early 50s. There was an Eddie Albert show called Leave It to Larry. Mm-hmm. No copies exist, but it was his start in television. And uh, lasted have, maybe 16 episodes or something. I have this book. Uh, I forgot the exact name of it, but it's like TV sitcoms, and it's by a guy named, I believe, Rick Metz or something like that. Oh, yeah, and, sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it only goes up to, like, if you get the revised version to the early 80s or something like that. But, I mean, was... Uh, that a help, or was he missing a lot of stuff? It was, I, I love the book. I love his humor. In fact, I I, I, I talked to him. But, uh, yeah, there, there were some missing shows in there. He didn't cover every sitcom. In fact, if I went back and do it, I would add some shows that I didn't have in the first uh, edition from 1948 to 1979. And one thing I wish I had done in that book was add some of the animated sitcoms, like oh, yeah. Where's Huddles? <laughs> uh, shows like that, uh, which, which I failed to put in, or um, Calvin and the Colonel. I wish I'd considered them sitcoms. I, right. I had intended to do a, another book about uh, cartoon sitcoms, and it never came to be. Mm, so. Okay, so yeah, Jetsons and yeah. Alvin Show. Cat. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't think about those things being all prime time. You think, at least no. for me, they're always on Wait Saturday till your morning, father doesn't... comes home. Yeah, well, that one I do, I do remember. Like it wasn't really prime time. It was kind of like the seven thirty. Was that yeah? Was that, or whatever yep. it was? Yeah. Monday nights at seven thirty. <laughs> and then I remember this show later on. But if you're not covering animation, it's probably not in there. I think it was like around nineteen eighty or eighty one. It was called Joke Book that Hanna Barbera did. Right, it right. Was just like a compilation of just short little cartoons. And at the time, I was like. Wow, a cartoon in prime time. You know, <laughs> then 10 years later, of course, they right. have Simpsons, Simpsons and everybody. Family you know, guy. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. But, you know, at the time, it was like, you know, there was a time, folks, little kids, yeah. you know, that, that there was no animation in prime time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway. Or very um, little. Uh, I'm probably not covering every one of your books, but one of them is the Encyclopedia of Pop Music. Is that just a standard tome or what's the... The... Oh, actually, the, the full title is the Encyclopedia of Pop Music Aliases. Oh, it's, okay. 
people who recorded also under other names. Okay. <laughs> you missed one important word there. <laughs> yes. Now it sounds interesting. Right, right. <laughs> um, so example. Uh, uh, Gene Pitney recording as Billy Bryan or um, the Four Tops early on uh, recording as the Four Ames oh, okay. or uh, the OJs recording as the Mascots and stuff like that. Now, was it uh, just people that changed their name along the line, or was that? Did you also include people that just did a one-off recording as a different name? Some of that too. A- anytime they they change the name, yeah. Like I think, uh, like Sonny and Cher, didn't they try different things? Caesar and Cleo and a few other right. names over yes. the years. And, and she was Cheryl Lynn. She, <laughs> she was simply Cheryl Lynn on one record. She was. Right. Uh, Bonnie Joe Mason on another record. That's in there. One of those mm-hmm. Phil Spector productions. And a lot of that stuff. Paul Simon was was the most creative with names. He was Jerry Landis. He was Tom and Jerry. He was Paul <laughs> Kane. He was Tico and the Triumphs. Uh, he, had, he had a bunch of different names before using his real name. Wow. That's <laughs> and that's when he had success. Yes. Go figure. Um, who, who had the most name changes to your memory? <laughs> Probably him. He, he's he's up there. Um, okay. Art Garfunkel was Artie Gar on his early right. records. Yeah, and then I guess trying he... not to sound ethnic, like like me, <laughs> <laughs> getting rid of the less jack. Didn't they, didn't the they do um, you know Simon Garfunkel? Didn't they do something as Art and Artie or something like that? Or uh, Tom um, and Jerry? Tom and Jerry they actually okay. made the, they okay. made top forty and they did okay. bandstand. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Called All Hey right. Schoolgirl was yeah. the song. And then um, like. Did Jan and Dean do ones under a couple different names too, or is it uh, just that uh, uh, Dean was with another person? It was like, yeah, I'm thinking of like side. Well, it was Jan and Arnie. Jan and Arnie, when, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. When when uh, Dean had to go into the service. Ah, okay. The other so guy, Arnie true. Ginsberg, was was became the duet partner, and they actually had a hit record. So Dean missed out on that one. So that's probably <laughs> what you're thinking of. Yeah. And did you talk about things like that, or is that just... Yes, yes. Oh, okay. That's all in there. Cool. All right. As many as I could fit, and it's, it's quite a fat book. <laughs> and then one other book, uh, I think we kind of touched on it by mentioning uh, the Odd Couple album, is Small Screen to Vinyl. Is that exactly what I think it is, that type yes. of thing? Okay. It's people who made records because of being on television. It's not like Andy Williams, who was making records before he had his own TV series, or Perry Como. It's people like uh, Shelley Fabre on the okay. Donna Reed show making a record because she was on television, having really? a number one hit with Johnny Angel. Paul Peterson from that show as well. Um, people like Rick Nelson making records because uh, he was on Ozzy and Harriet. And they said, eh, let's, let's have him make some records. Everybody who did Warner Brothers television shows in the 50s and 60s, were, it was part of their contract. Connie Stevens, Ed mm-hmm. Kooky Burns. That they had to make records. Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. I didn't know that. I, I just always figured that they did the records just because there was no DVD, there was no videotape, so it's a kind of a, no. It was, it, was part of, it was part of their contract. Um, Is that the uh, same with like Leonard Clint Nimoy? Walker? Leonard Nimoy. Exactly. Okay. Okay. I'm not <laughs> sure if, like, if I'm not sure if that was. I think he wanted to make records. Okay. Because he's Shatner again, also he's, did an album. He's, he's like on Klugman's level about. Singing. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, did he really want to sing, or did they make him sing? But he actually made the charts with his albums, Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Oh. He actually well, sold he, some albums. I know. As bad he, as they I think were. one of his singles like made it to like '96 or <laughs> yes, something. Yes, yes. So, so um, he sold some. Somebody <laughs> bought it. Probably uh, relatives. 
So, um, what's the, what's the obscurest one you can think of? One that just popped in my head is like David Canary from Bonanza. Did right, one, right. You know. Well, Michael Landon made records. He made oh, a few. Okay. Again, <laughs> not good. <laughs> but very few of the. Uh, some of them were okay. Um, some were better than others. Walter Brennan had a hit record. Oh yeah. Kind of a, a recitation called "Old yeah. Rivers," but it was a top ten record. That's true. And uh, I think Jack Webb, didn't he do a, like a kind of a romantic? Yes, he, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um, now, do you go into stuff like, you know, like Jackie Gleason did a whole series of like instrumental? Not really. I kind of figured that as, as, as a different thing. Yeah. Okay. And he's not singing. It's, it's, it's instrumental. I tried to keep it vocal. So. Now, he did do one comedy record. Did you count comedy records, or is it just... No, no, it had to be vocals. Yeah, yeah. The, the golden throats, as it were. Golden you know? throats. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, but, yeah, I mean, throats. I'll admit, you know, some people, like, do you cover Partridge Family? Like, David Cassidy actually could sing, so he was... Yes, right, right. Yeah, or the monkeys, did you cover them? the monkeys, them? right. Okay. got it. Okay. Any of those Screen Jam shows, Sally Field made an album. Right. <laughs> she had right. actually made the charts with Felicidad. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, like ninety three uh, or something, but <laughs> it's in the pilot episode of The Flying Nun that mm. that song, and it, it actually charted. Oh, okay. I don't have that album or the single because, uh, but uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Greg Airbar. He's a big. Uh, a I know the name. Chil- children's records and things like that, and uh, we were talking on a previous podcast about his favorite albums, and he said. I like that Flying Nun Sally Field album. He says, is it really that good? And he says, I love it. And I go, okay. Wow. <laughs> you know, and he says, well, you know, he is a big fan of the Flying Nun, and they sang some of the songs on the show. So yes, go, yes. Okay, all right. Screen Gems was really good at that. Yes. But, at, you know, I, I guess. Tying in music and television. I guess the marketing worked because, I mean, I have a lot of those type of albums. You know, I keep mentioning Leonard Nimoy, but it's like if it weren't, for Star Trek and Mission Impossible, right. I probably wouldn't have them because I'd say this guy stinks, you know. But then, hey, Star Trek, even a Bobby Sherman. Star Trek? Okay, I'll buy it. You know? Bobby Sherman, not the greatest singer ever, but uh, right. he had a bunch yeah. of hit records. Yeah, I was and say, even he had, had a musical show. Success for someone who supposedly yeah, can't a, sing as well. You know? He had a sitcom called Getting Together, another screen screen gem show, and it was right. a little late in his career, but uh, right. again, they they released some records as a result of it. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, certain people had big success. The two that popped in my head just now, it's like David Soul. And right. uh, because you mentioned uh, Bobby big Sherman. Number one hit. And yeah. uh, Vicki Lawrence, you know, which is kind of amazing because. Another number one gold record. <laughs> it's kind of amazing because Carol Burnett seemed to want to be the big music star. And I don't think she ever had a hit record, really. I mean, she had a couple no, of No, she had records, but yeah. She had... yeah. And, and even more recently, Bruce Willis had a top 10 record. Oh, yeah. uh, Don Johnson had a top 10 record. Mm-hmm. Now, is that kind of falling out of favor because of what I said? It's like, uh, you know, nowadays, if you want a souvenir of a TV show, you can actually just buy the TV show. Right. And so right. there's no reason to have, like, it, you know, I'm a big comic book fan now, and they don't make comic books of TV shows. No. Whereas, you know, you'd think like a natural one that they would have made a comic book of is The Big Bang Theory. No comic books, you know. And, nope. And I think the last comic book was Married with Children, you know. And back in the 60s, all these shows we're talking about. Even short be, live shows. had that maybe like the Odd Rang- Couple. That would be funny if there was an Odd Couple comic book. That there isn't. But, anyway. but, <laughs> but there was a few happy days. Uh, 
That's comics. True. Yeah. And even short live, almost any show, any sitcom in the, in the, the 60s was made. Uh, Run Buddy Run had a, had a um, comic book made. Uh, Rango with Tim Conway. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I have that one. Yes. yes. <laughs> I got a bunch behind me here. I don't know if you can oh, okay. see them. So you, you do collect some. I got stacks of them. Okay. Up there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is that a, a correct assessment? Is because you couldn't get a, a physical copy of the TV show. That's why they'd put out things like book tie-ins, comic book tie-ins, uh, record album tie-ins, or was that well, just part of the game of being an entertainer? And you, you have to think that there were so few channels back then. Now there's so many channels and everything's so splintered. I, I don't know uh, how they would manage that. I mean, there's, there's just so much <laughs> material being released every year between Netflix and this and that and, and Hulu. Uh, it, it would be impossible to, to keep up with all that. There are shows that win awards that I've never heard of, that I've never seen. It's like, what show is that? Yeah. <laughs> When the Emmys come around every year, I've, you know, well, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's just too much. It. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's, it's overload. It's sensory yeah, overload. That's why when you so, mentioned the Mrs. Maisel show, I'm like, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Whereas in the old days, I would have seen all of them because there's yes. only three networks and it's right, like, it right. would have been a hit show. I know people have watched all of them, but I haven't even watched all of things like Shit's Creek or anything like no, that. It's no. been on for five years, you know, and won all these Emmys. And it's like, ah. yep, somebody's watching. They've yeah. Of... And, uh, you know, but I'd it's like more to convenient to watch. You can watch at your leisure. Yeah. nowadays i mean you, you just download it you back in the uh, in the 50s and 60s and even the 70s you had to be there right they aired once and that was it if you missed it if you had a phone call if you had a, a business appointment you, you didn't see it if you had company <laughs> right you never you never saw it and you, the thing the out. thing that's hard to follow now on things is everybody doesn't watch it at the same time uh i won't say what the spoiler was because i uh offended a friend of mine, but I, oh, I no. apologize, uh, is I let the cat out of the bag about a spoiler for The Mandalorian. I'll just say that. Oh, and it's okay. like, you know, I figured, well, the hardcore fans are just going to watch it when it come out. I, You know, it's like, nope. <laughs> you know, and it's Ouch. like in the old days, you know, it's like, you know, the next day using like the Bob, the infamous Bob Newhart show and the Newhart show ending. Yeah, yeah. The Bob Newhart show, you know. If you didn't see it that night, you didn't see it, you know, yes, until they re-ran it a few months later. And, and there I mean, were no VCRs even back then, so you missed it. <laughs> yeah, so if somebody's going to spoil it, it's like, well, you didn't see it, so I'm going to tell you right. what happened, you know. Hopefully they'll rerun it, you know. Yeah, so. In six months. Anyway, um, uh, we've talked about all these different books, and, you know, like I said, uh, you do music books and TV show books. Uh is there plans for another uh, single series like Odd Couple or Wings, or what books are you planning to do at this point? You know, I, I honestly hadn't planned to do the Wings book. It was <laughs> in the back of my mind. I liked the show, but had it not been for the shutdown, I would have been working as an extra, and I would not have done the Wings book because things were really busy up until uh, everything shut down. I, w I worked on the TV show Bull on March the 12th. Nobody had masks. COVID wasn't even the, the topic of the day. We weren't even talking about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, tight little quarters. We were in tight courtroom scenes, all of us sitting next to each other and all day <laughs> long. Nobody got sick. But the very next day, March 13th, Friday the 13th, I'll never forget it, everything shut down. Yeah. Okay. And, and I had a lot of time on my hands. And I said, well, what can I do to be creative? I don't want to just 
veg out and watch the prices right every day. What can I do? And so I got the idea to write the book and luckily I found a publisher very quickly and I proceeded and they let me do what I want. Yeah. Exactly like I wanted it. And so it was a real fun project and uh, just completed. And, and now that good, good timing because production has uh, started up again. So okay. I, I can go back to that. And I, I have no plans for another book now, but I won't say that I have never will mm-hmm. but it could happen <laughs> but i'm not planning on let, anything right now let me, a lot of work. You, let me ask it's... you that about production i'm just kind of curious uh i'm a big curb your enthusiasm fan and they just announced that they're shooting a season 11 and to tie it into everything they're doing covid episodes so they're actually okay. wearing, wearing masks in the script and in the mm-hmm. episodes who knows how they'll come out but you know it's like uh, I'm sure it'll probably be funny. So is that happening in uh, shows you're working on or is everybody? It depends kind of... on the show. We, we, okay. we won't do that on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel because it's a period piece. <laughs> so that, however, so let's get nostalgic I, about 1918. <laughs> <laughs> I worked on uh, both FBI and FBI most wanted very recently. In fact, I'm, I think they're going to air on the same night <laughs> coming in mid January. And they, play present day and we are wearing masks on camera in those so it all depends on the show okay and uh are shows kind of picking up everywhere i assume you're in hollywood doing this or are you in new york doing no new york oh just new york i live in new jersey so i do the new york or philadelphia productions okay okay uh so i i'm not totally knowledgeable about what's going on is everything opening up all at once or is it kind of gradually coming it's back? open but it's it's very cautious and and very involved uh you go for like three or four covid tests before shooting and again the same day everybody wears masks everybody's social distanced uh we we don't eat the same way anymore there's no yeah. community buffet which yeah. used to be so nice yeah you i was know, wondering individual plates. Yeah, the brown baggot or what do you do <laughs> well it's just pre-packaged it, it, oh okay okay you tell them in advance what you like like i'm a vegetarian so luckily they do that so uh and they they have it ready for you but there's no hands on anything uh people wear gloves and it's very very careful and very even the cameras and everybody everybody's social distanced it's it's a whole different animal wow (laughs) changed Um, so much overnight uh yeah i mean i i don't uh, i just uh do a regular desk job as it were and uh i close uh, the, I actually changed jobs during the course of all this, but in March, uh, they shut down on uh, St. Patrick's Day, so it was the 17th, mm. you know, <laughs> but, uh, and I worked from home for quite a while, and then uh, I, I was having it, just um, not going into too much detail, I was having friction with my boss, so I had to switch jobs, and now I'm working on the front lines, because I'm actually typing in, um, everybody does the drive up to the COVID testings and I'm actually typing the forms after they're all done. And I wear a mask at work. I can't work at home anymore, but I'm tested every morning. They do the, the thermometer on the forehead and they go, you know, are you feeling okay? Any questions? I'm fine. Okay. You know, yep. and I'm always they like swab 90, your nose 97. And... I haven't done the swabbing. It's just, you no. know, so, you know that, that was what I was going to ask you. I mean, does it go all that way? On... Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And multiple tests. They don't just test you one day. Uh, they, they do the full test. Then they do like the uh, the quick test, the, the rapid test, they, they call it. 
the same day, but you have to actually go in a few times and, and wow. they pay you to go in to have the test. So wow. It's like an extra day of work, <laughs> which, which yeah. is not a bad life. Now, the interesting thing for me, since I'm in the hospital, uh, I will get the vaccine first. I'm like one of the, high, but I'm not the highest. You know, the, okay. people, the people that are the highest You'll get it before me, though. Face, you know, yeah. so I'm not face to face with the, the, the clients. I don't want to be, you know, so, no, no. but you know, it, then they want everyone, you know, so it might be a month for me before anything happens. I'll so, be last on the yeah, list. Yeah, so. <laughs> I was going to say, no high priority on, on, on actors or anything. No, so. no. Okay. Um, just kind of curious. But yeah, they, they, they are really careful because they have to keep the, uh, the stars safe too. So, yeah. yeah. They're so, really following everything to the letter. As far as shooting scenes, I mean, obviously, you're not going to do these big romantic love scenes with tongues no. darting around and things like that. But, I mean, do you have to truly distance? I mean, do you shoot scenes where, like, they, you shoot all your lines and then you leave the set and then the next guy comes in and shoots all his line and it's all done in the editing? No, no, it's, it's still done the same way. In fact, uh, in, because we're so well-tested, there's a few scenes in FBI Most Wanted that I did where, you know, they're arresting a guy and putting handcuffs on him. So they're, they're in close proximity. Mm. Uh, but, you know, everybody's been tested for days and days and days. Yeah. So uh, it, it's safe. But still, whenever the camera's not rolling, masks on. Yeah. So we, we, we wear them until cameras roll. So. Okay. So they do everything very, right. Very careful. Okay. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, and I'm also glad things are opening up. I mean, we can't live in total fear, you know, no. especially, you know, it's like if you're just careful and know what you're doing and try to be safe, it sounds right. like it's a good deal. Now, are you doing your, uh, you said you work uh, on radio. Are you still doing your radio show at the same time as all this, or how does that work? Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that never changed. I didn't do it from home. I actually, uh, we, uh, but I, I work on weekends. Oh, okay. At the, the radio station. And uh, so there's really not a lot of people in the building, so we were socially distanced without planning it okay <laughs> so, <laughs> okay i didn't know if you radio or, you know like how a lot of people did start going out of the house but if you're still going in the studio yeah that makes yeah sense for, for what you radio do. uh is not what it used to be it's, it's pretty much a skeleton crew everywhere it, it's not like the old days you watch frazier there's a million people around it's, right. it's not like that <laughs> it has changed drastically it's it's, mm. it's very much one man operation nowadays wow <laughs> and uh Let's see. Uh, any other things you're working on or anything like that? Or is it mainly, you know, acting and uh, DJing, as it were, and uh, right, right. Book, books? Um, yeah, no, 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 no books in the works. Uh, whenever they need me for something, hopefully uh, Mrs. Maisel is going back into production uh, late January and running through August. So hopefully they'll use us again for multiple scenes. Uh, whatever comes up, whatever I, we, we apply and sometimes, uh, I'm, I'm in SAG AFTRA, so, um, <laughs> we, 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 uh, they, they need us. They, they can only use a certain number of background people nowadays, the, the extras, <laughs> unlike the old days when it was unlimited, just because of social distancing. So, right. so luckily being in the union, uh, they pick us first. So, uh, <laughs> a lot of the non-union people are, are kind of not getting as much work so hmm. it's a good choice to join yes <laughs> good time it's, to join if you have it yeah but i don't know if they're allowing more in are, are they or are they more careful on that too because they don't want well you, you can't just join it there's right. a, a i, I a know protocol. there's like 
you, you have know, to get like so many waivers. Speaking role or something. I don't yeah, know. yeah. I had to get so many yeah. waivers and so many uh, times where they bump you up for the day from non-union to union, and you get enough of those. And I had so many, they finally said, you have to join. So, oh, okay. <laughs> I've heard that mandatory. before, too. You know, yeah. I've had friends, other friends that, you know, they didn't want to, and they go, but didn't want to. doing stuff, you know. But I'm glad yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah it worked Very out good. for the best. All right. Um, well, um, I guess that's basically all the questions I had. You know, I just wanted to find a little bit more about you. You know, you had contacted me so long ago about – oddball couple <laughs> right and then i go well, thank you for remembering wow that's <laughs> yeah and then you well the wings book is what triggered it i said oh okay he's writing more books doesn't yes. sound like you're doing another one anytime soon but that's okay you know <laughs> you never know you do all this other stuff which i didn't know so that's really cool um so i guess uh what we usually do at this point just give us a plug for the books any books all books or your tv shows and how people can get in contact with you Okay. Oh, and also I'm uh, part of, there's a mini-series coming, an eight-part mini-series coming to CNN next year called The History of Sitcom, which I'm also involved with. So, talking about some of these great shows. Uh, There's the Odd Couple book. All the books are available, if you spell my name correctly, on Amazon.com. They're all there. It's L-E-S, as in Sam, Z-C-Z, as in Zebra, Cat, Zebra, A-K, Bob Leschak. They're all like on the same page. You can order any of them there, including the new Wings book, which is up there. So there's 11 books. Uh, you can also find out more at BobO'Brien.tv, which is my website. I haven't updated it in a while, sorry. But uh, a lot of the books are pictured up there, too. I need to put them all up there. But um, I can never remember my password. <laughs> Getting onto the website. I don't run my own website. And I can never, I always have to check with the, with the, uh, uh, administrator and what was my password again i forgot <laughs> and how do you like spell, going, how, how do you spell o'brien for the oh, sake of that too with with an e and and okay. an apostrophe okay o-b-r-i-e-n okay got it okay <laughs> i always ask people to say that you know spell things out because you know uh and you did on your uh real name so <laughs> i appreciate that <laughs> and i'm on facebook too as bob o'brien very cool and uh if people have any questions about your books or just want to uh, ask you a question about your career, uh, they can reach you there, correct? Right, yes, there or uh, all my information is also at the BobO'Brien.tv site. Sounds so. good, okay. Well, I want to thank you, Bob, for being my special thank guest you. on the Fun Ideas podcast. Uh, this is really fun. I liked uh, hearing more about your books and your career. I didn't even know anything about it, so now I know. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully we can talk again sometime. I hope so. It's all been right. a blast. Thank you very much, Bob. And stay well. You too. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Bob Leshek, for being my special guest. Episode number 106 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2021. Fun Ideas Productions, thank you and good night. Headed home to a cardboard hut with duct tape doors at the pre-
Don't fall.